I forgot my glasses. I'm at that age where that matters now. And I, before, before I get into today's message, I just wanted to acknowledge uh, that we've moved from the season of Easter into the season of Pentecost. And so that song was very appropriate, Philip, for us to sing about the Holy Spirit today. And just thought I would share a passage of Scripture uh, related uh, to the Holy Spirit. And it comes from Ephesians where Paul talks about we have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, the reason I want to bring that up is because we're talking about Old Testament times in this series about the life of David. And, you know, in our series, that very first story is how David is anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel. And what happens... When David is anointed king, as the Bible says, God's spirit rested on him, right? But also what happened was God's spirit was removed from Saul, right? So in the old, before, before Pentecost, the Holy Spirit worked differently, didn't it? Now, aren't you grateful today that when you ask Jesus into your heart and you make that decision to follow him, that you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit as Paul talks about. That means you get the Holy Spirit and you don't get rid it doesn't. He doesn't leave and go and leave. He's there with you all the time. That's up to you whether you access him or not. Amen? But he's there. He's there with you. And we have access to the throne of God at all times. And so that just made me think of that today as we enter this time of Pentecost. That's something to celebrate that we have the Holy Spirit, which means God's presence is with us in the form of the Father, the Son, through the Holy Spirit at all times. As we begin today, just one question I want to give to you as we start this morning. The future. What would you do, what would you most like to know about your future, if you could know anything about your future. Think about that for a moment. What would you most like to know about your future if there was anything that you could know about your future? Think about that. And it's okay if you have an answer to answer out loud. If there's something about your future, what would you like to know about your future? When will I die? That's a scary one, isn't it? <laughs> and the older we get, the more we begin to think about something like that, don't we? Anybody else have another thought? What would you like to know about your future? Will my grandchildren be all right? Will my grandchildren be all right? How will my love, what will happen to my loved ones? Will they be taken care of? That's what's heaven, like? what's heaven gonna be like? I can guarantee you this: it's gonna be better than what we're dealing with now, <laughs> right? That's a that's a good one to, to, to think about, isn't it? Will I, be Will I be remembered? 
And maybe more importantly, what will I be remembered for? <laughs> you know? A lot of folks remember it in history. Some of them ain't all good, are they? Right? Or maybe you're thinking, will Mississippi State ever win a football national championship? You know, things like that. You know, the future. You know, there's a lot of things we can think about. Think about David as we get into today's story. He was told something about his future at like age 14 or 15, that he would be king of Israel. That probably sounded okay at age 14 or 15 with everything we've learned about what it took and what David had to go through before actually becoming king. Do you think if God had told him maybe a year before he became king, I'm going to make you king, he would have liked that idea? I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, the things that he's gone through and starting to realize what that actually means. Whew, mercy. There's a lot of things that he's had to deal with. And so let's just kind of go through some of those things before we start today's story. He was anointed as a young boy, young teenage boy to be king. He sees fame really quickly by defeating Goliath and becoming commander of the army so that people were singing songs about him. He was the most popular guy in the nation. And not long after that, uh, the reigning king, King Saul, becomes jealous and starts trying to kill him. He has to run for his life for over 10 years, hiding in places and having to, the only people that will have anything to do with him are other people that are outlaws and bandits and wanted for doing things. And so with those people, he begins building an army. And, you know, he's, he's having to deal with losing his, his first wife. He's having to deal with, uh, you know, all kinds of issues with uh, politics. And way before he ever becomes king, and dealing with other countries and just all kinds of weird things that he goes through. And you wonder, if he had not been told by God he was going to be king, would he have really wanted that job later on? If God hadn't chosen him at such a, a young age. And probably even later on he's thinking, who am I to do these? And we see that in a lot of the Psalms that he's written. You know, how the stress of dealing with all these things. And we would think, today we're going to talk about David being king. We would think, this is supposed to be a happy story. This is not happy at all, what we're about to talk about. <laughs> it's, it's bloody and a lot of death involved. So let's have a word of prayer and ask God to teach us something from this story today. But it's going to be, it's, it's gory. It, there's, some, there's some rough stuff. We've already seen a lot of that, like last week when Abner's running after the armies of Israel have been defeated. They've already started a civil war, and Joab's little brother, anybody remember what his name was? One that could run really fast? Everybody say, Asahar. Asahar. That was his name. He could run as fast as a wild deer, the Bible says. And he's catching, he's gaining on Abner. Abner's like, you better get back and find somebody that's more... Your fighting skill, because I'm going to whip your tail if you get close to me. 
And sure enough, he doesn't stop running. And when he gets close, Abner just turns around and with a spear jabs him right in the belly and kills him. And so we've got this kind of stuff going on. Now remember who Joab is. Let's just talk about who these people are. Joab is David's sister's son. So Joab is David's nephew. That means Asher is David's nephew as well. So Abner's already killed one of David's nephew. Remember who Abner is. He was Saul's commander of his army, right? And now he's commander of the army of Israel. And the new king of Israel is not yet David, but it's Saul's son that's still alive. Jonathan's already been killed. Ishbosheth. Everybody say Ishbosheth. Ishbosheth is the king of Israel at this time. Judah has made David king, and he's established kind of a, a, a capital of that kingdom in Hebron at this, at this point. Jerusalem's not been established as a major city at all yet in the area until, until after David becomes king. So now we have this, all this stuff has happened. We've got this fighting between the northern kingdom of Israel already and Judah way before this split that happens with Solomon's two sons of Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Many times that's when we think the, the kingdom split, but there's already bad blood way before that happens. And so now the stage is set. How's David going to become king? Saul's dead. David's supposed to be the next king, but they've just all of a sudden said they didn't ask God or anybody. We made Ishbosheth king. So how are we going to get to that? And that's what today's story is about. Let's pray together as we get ready for that. Heavenly Father, as we uh, look at this story from your word, we pray that you'll teach us something that will help us uh, grow closer to you, that we can apply, that we can be a light to others, and be an influence in a positive way in our world today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the kingdom of Ishbosheth and Israel continued to grow weaker. And still, Abner's influence grew stronger. One day, the king said to Abner, Why did you sleep with my father's concubine? That's a bad thing to ask your commanding ar- commander in chief, by the way. So Abner got angry and he said, How dare you? My loyalty to your father is the only thing that has kept me from handing you over to David. Now you're accusing me of sinning with this woman. That's it. I'm going to establish David as king over all of Israel. And Ishbosheth was speechless at how Abner responded. So Abner then sent a message to David I'm ready to give you the kingdom of Israel. Let's work out the agreements, David said. One thing has to happen first before I'll work out. Any agreements with you, Abner? If you come, you must bring my first wife, Michal, Saul's daughter, and don't you come without her. Now, just a little in parenthesis here. David's already married some other ladies too by now, right? Okay. So David's not the wisest. He's making mistakes still, right? But he wants Michal. He That was his first wife. She's still alive. And so the guards went and they got Michal. And they took her away from her husband. His name was Paltiel. 
And as they walked down the road going to find David, Paul Tell followed behind them, crying as he walked, his wife's leaving him, to go to David. And finally Abner turned and yelled, Go home, boy! <laughs> so the man turned and he went home. Paul Tell knew his place at that point. Abner got the elders of Israel together and they agreed that David was to be king of Israel. He then went and he told David, Together, let's have a banquet to celebrate the news. Abner then said, I'll go and make the final arrangements for your coronation to be king of Israel. Then you'll be king over the whole nation, both Israel and Judah. So David sent him away in peace. Meanwhile, guess who wasn't there? David's nephew, Joab, who's David's commander of David's army. Joab had been away all this time with these things happening, and he returned just after Abner left. He went to David after he found out what had happened, and he says to David, Why did you let Abner escape? Don't you realize that all of this is just a trick to entrap you, David? Then without the king knowing it, Joab sent a message to Abner. Please, please, Abner, come to Hebron. So Abner responded. He came back. And when Abner got back, Joab asked him to step aside so they could have a private conversation. Anybody want to guess what Joab did to Abner? Joab stabbed him in the belly. He fell to the ground and Abner died. David was devastated when he heard about what had happened to Abner. He put a curse on Joab and his descendants. He put a curse on his own descendants too, right? This is his nephew. The king knew that Joab had killed Abner to avenge his brother's death. Still he made him and his men ripped their clothes and put on sackcloth, and they mourned the death of Abner. David then walked behind the funeral procession and cried openly at the graveside. He wouldn't eat anything for the rest of the day. And this is what David said to the soldiers. A great leader of Israel has died today. All of Israel took note of what David did. And they were convinced that he had nothing to do with Abner's death. Two men went into the house of Ishbosheth and, and killed him while he was in bed taking an afternoon nap. And then they cut off his head and they took it to King David and they said, Your enemy is dead. When David responded to them, he said, When I was in Ziklag, a man came to me and told me, that he was merciful to King Saul by killing him before the Philistines could torture him. He thought he was bringing me good news, but I had him put to death. Now you come and you tell me that you've killed the king of Israel while he was sleeping in his bed. David had both of those men that killed Ishbosheth killed at that time. He then had their hands and feet cut off. And their bodies were hung near the pool of Hebron. And all the tribes of Israel met in Hebron that day and made David their king. At that time, the Bible says David 
was 30 years old. Isn't that a happy story? <laughs> David became king. <laughs> yeah, great bedtime story, isn't it? Let me tell you something. Any of y'all like soap operas? Good dramatic stories? They ain't got nothing on the Bible. They ain't got nothing on the story of King David. It is an absolute soap opera, y'all. But the moral of these stories is that God's still working in spite of what's going on in the world, right? So let's retell the story together. I think I need some helpers today. And since we don't have as many uh, young people here today, we might need some adults to get involved, okay? And the quicker you, quicker you volunteer, the quicker we get done, all right? <laughs> so we need some quick volunteers. Who wants to be Ishbosheth? And we're not, we're, who wants to be Ishbosheth? The king of Israel. Ishbosheth. Anybody Ishbosheth? I'm going to start pointing and picking people. All right. Ishbosheth. Come on, right here. We'll have the king of Israel on this side because they're getting weak, and there's a few more people on this side today. We need a David. Come on. Here's a David. We need an Abner. Anybody want to be Abner? Ishbosheth's commander of his army. You want to help? Okay, that's all right. Come on. We need a Joab. Who wants to be Joab? Thanks, Philip. We need David's first wife, Michal. All right, come on. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. We need we need Michal's current husband, Paltiel. Who wants to be Paltiel? All right, we've got a Paltiel. We need also over here with Michal. Uh huh. And so. Here's how our story goes. As I tell the story, you may act out what's going on in our story today, all right? So the kingdom of Ishbosheth, he's the king of Israel. And at this time, Ishbosheth accuses Abner of doing what? Y'all remember? Sleeping with his dad's concubine. Right? And Abner says, no. Why? I, you're accusing me of sinning, and I've not done that. And so Abner gets upset about his king accusing him falsely of something and decides, I'm going to make David king, and tells Ishbosheth that. I'm going to make David king. And what happens? Ishbosheth, Ishbosheth is very sad about uh Abner going to make David king. So Abner sends word to David, and they meet. Abner and David meet. And uh, Ish, uh, Abner tells David he wants to make him king. And David said, there's only one thing I want you to do and for us to be, for, for me to be king. And when we talk and agree, you're going to have to bring Mashal, my first wife, Right? 
I got you on the wrong side. Michelle and P Paul Tiel, get over here with the bad guys. <laughs> Sorry, I got that mixed up. That's my fault. And so now they're going to meet. Ish, uh, Abner and David are going to meet, and they're bringing Michal and Michal's husband, Paul Tiel, is sad and following them <laughs> because his wife's leaving him, right? And y'all remember what Abner said? That's right. Go on back home, boy. Go on back home, boy. And so Abner shows up with Michal to meet David. And they agree to make David king over all of Israel. And they have a banquet together and have a good time and a meal. And everything's hunky-dory, right? Well, then Abner goes back. Mashal, Mashal's now with David. <laughs> and Abner goes back to, to the northern kingdom of Israel. And when... Abner's gone, then guess who returns and finds out what's happened? Joab. So Joab comes to David, and he's like, I can't, what are you thinking? That, that dude killed my little brother, killed your little nephew. And you expect me to get along? Well, you, it's a trick. He's trying to trap us. So we can't put up with Abner and David. David knows this is something that has to happen to unite the kingdoms, right? So he keeps going along with the plan. But what Joab decides to do, when David, when David doesn't know about this, Joab sends for Abner to come back to Hebron. And David's kind of out of the picture at this point, doesn't know what's going on. And Joab says, well, let's go meet in a little private place and gets in a private place and does exactly that. Joab stabs Abner in the belly. And Joab falls to the ground. I mean, Abner falls to the ground and dies. And, and so Abner has passed away. And David, David finds out about this. Why have you killed Abner? And David has all the country mourn and wear sackcloth and ashes. And they mourn over Abner's death. And at this point, uh, then we've, we've got... All this, everybody coming together. And I left these two people out, but it's okay. We'll leave them out. Two men went to find Ishbosheth sleeping and taking a nap. And those two men killed Ishbosheth while he's taking an afternoon nap. <laughs> <laughs> the two men come to find David. In Hebron and tell him what they've done and David's like well you know I once had a guy come and tell me that he was trying to protect Saul by killing him and I had him killed I'm gonna have you killed too so he had those two men killed for killing King Ishbosheth and after all this the kingdom united and they made David king over all of Israel Thank you. You can be seated. Some points we can learn. If you have, if you have your handout today, there's a little outline you can follow along, some blanks you can fill in there. 
The first life lesson that we can learn from this story is that God's plan includes the death of the righteous and the wicked. You know, a lot of, I don't know about you, but sometimes I've asked questions to God. Why would you let this happen to that person? They're such a good person. Or maybe others, well, they got what they deserved. Or, you know what I mean? You think those kinds of things sometimes. But the Bible tells us it rains on the good and the evil, doesn't it? And the same thing happens in life with health and death and those kinds of things. And we see that in this story. There are good people that die. There are bad people that die. David mourned the deaths of Saul and Jonathan and Abner. And guess what? All those deaths to David, these were people that he realized that God created. And it hurt him to see anybody die. And that's one of the things I think we can take away from that. There may be people that maybe they didn't live the best life here on this earth, but they're still someone God created and cared for. Amen? And, and, and to not let that touch your heart that a life has been lost makes us a cold, hard person, doesn't it? You know, it's easy to mourn when it's somebody we really liked and were friends with. But we should mourn all those people. You know, it's easy to mourn a couple of weeks ago all those kids that were killed in that shooting. But let me tell you, somebody my heart breaks for is that boy that did the shooting. Right? Man. If he could have just had God in his heart. Right? It breaks my heart to think about that. And I'm sure that's kind of where David was. These people are dying. Saul, you could have been such a great king. Abner, you could have been such a better warrior. A warrior for the Lord rather than just for men and power. And so there's so many things that we think about when we see a person's life for those that were good and those that were bad. And let's just be honest. What's the Bible say? How many of us are good? No, not one. We're all like filthy rags. Only Jesus is the one that's ever been perfect. Amen? So we all have faults. We all make mistakes. But we need to take life as something that's precious it's precious to God and we see that it was precious to David and maybe the thing that hurt David most of all is we kind of see a spiritual death with Joab here Joab makes a, 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 a bad decision and David mourns a spiritual death of Joab the second thing we can learn you see there in your outline it is painful when marriage ends in separation, when we see Paltiel have to leave Mashal, Mashal goes back to David, that's a difficult thing, and that's a difficult thing in the world today. Anytime a marriage ends in separation, is difficult. After David became a fugitive, Saul forced his daughter Mashal to divorce David and required her to marry uh, Paltiel. And they lived together probably for 10 years or more. But after David became king of Judah, he, was, he demanded that Mashal be restored to him. And Paltiel followed his wife, the Bible says, for miles weeping when she was torn from their home. So that's important. Families, we need to work hard to keep our families together. Right? That's important because it is, it is difficult and painful 
uh, for families when there's separation. The third thing we see that we can learn in today's story, desire for revenge may become the avenger's downfall. Desire for, for revenge may become the avenger's downfall. <sighs> now, I know there's been times in the world where people have taken out revenge physically more than our day and time. But with what's going on in social media, I mean, you can't make a comment about anything, even trying to be nice or good without somebody wanting to refute it these days, right? It, it's, it's just people spew out all kinds of vomit on social media now. Used to, things that people would keep to themselves, what they thought about other people or what, now they just spew it out for the whole world to see, you know? And that's kind of a, and then you see it back and forth, revenge, revenge, all this stuff going on. We see it in politics. We see it in all kinds of things in our world. Let me tell you, when you take revenge, there's going to be a cost. We see that with Joab. Moved by the desire for revenge, Joab kills Abner. His actions cost him some things. The first thing it cost him, and maybe the most important thing, was the support of David, his uncle. Revenge cost him the support of David. It also resulted in his own death eventually. Joab ends up having a not-so-good death later on in the story. But it also provoked a curse on his descendants and affected his family for generations. So next time somebody does something difficult to you, think about what Jesus had to say about that. Remember? Turn the other cheek, right? It's not easy to do, and I'm not saying we shouldn't stand up for ourselves, but there's a way to do it with tact. There's a way to do it without taking revenge. And guess what God says in his word time and time again? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. The, in my experience, uh, the best solution to when someone hurts me is if I pray for them. And that's in everything. That's in, it. That, that's in uh, something as simple as Jennifer and I in our marriage. It's a lot harder to argue with that woman if I'm praying for her. <laughs> and vice versa. If we're not praying for one another or with one another, it's a lot easier to fight, isn't it? You know, it's hard, it's hard to be mad at people you're praying for. So that's a, that's a good remedy when you feel like taking revenge on somebody. Pray for them. God, change their heart. I'm hurt that they hurt me. They may never ask for, for my forgiveness, but God, I'm going to forgive them anyways. And we see examples of that throughout the Bible too. The greatest one's Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Or Joseph, his brothers sold him into slavery, thought, sold him to, for, to death, to, to, hoping he'd die in Egypt. One day they show back up. He could easily put them in jail or had them beat and put to death. He takes care of them. He, he forgave them, you know. Learning how to forgive others is something the world needs to see from, from Christians. That, that'll blow their mind, right? You know, it'll blow their mind, being nice to people. And then the last thing we can learn in this story, 
Jesus Christ is the descendant of David who will reign forever. Now, David's no Jesus, but he is one who points to Jesus. And we know he's prophesied to be, that Jesus was prophesied to be a son of David from the line of David. God promised a descendant of David would reign forever. We see that in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And this was a prophecy about Jesus who is ultimately the king of kings. And this was the first prophecy that the Messiah would be a descendant of David. There's a bunch of scriptures. I want to read some of them for you today about Jesus. Psalm chapter 132, verse 11, it says this, The Lord swore an oath to David, a promise he will not abandon. I will set one of your descendants on your throne. That's the promise that God made to David, and Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7 it says this, The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He, talking about the Messiah, will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Also in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, A shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 5 is another reference to Jesus as a son of David. Jeremiah 23 and verse 5 says this. The days are coming, this is the Lord's declaration, when I will raise up a righteous branch of David. He will reign wisely as king and administer justice and righteousness in the land. And then in Ezekiel chapter 37, we see another prediction of David's descendant being the Messiah. Chapter 37 of Ezekiel verses 24 and 25 say this, My servant David will be king over them, and there will be one shepherd for all of them. And there will be one shepherd. They will follow me, my ordinances, and keep my statutes and obey them. They will live in the land that I gave to my servant Jacob, where your fathers lived. They will live in it forever with their children and grandchildren. And my servant David will be their prince forever. And then we see the New Testament fulfillment of it in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and guess where this happened? At Pentecost. Peter's sermon. Acts chapter 2, verses 29 through 36. This is what Peter preaches to those that were there at Pentecost. Brothers, I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing this in advance, he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. He was not left in Hades, and his flesh did not experience decay. God has resurrected this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. 
For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. Peter made it clear on the day of Pentecost, the descendant of David that's been talked about throughout the Old Testament is Jesus who died on the cross for us. That's a great promise that we have. And one more thing I'll add to us as we close today that relates to things. And this is, we can't be dogmatically sure about what I'm about to talk about, but I think it's probably true. The establishment of Jerusalem as the capital of the new kingdom David makes eventually. Some scholars believe the reason he, one of the reasons he picks Jerusalem, first of all, God has a hand in that, but it has to do with where David buries the head of Goliath. We don't have exact information about that in God's word but there's a particular place where many people believe the head of Goliath was buried by David it's a place called the place of the skull or another way to say the word or name Goliath we think might be Golgotha How interesting that is. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if God had that in his plan, would you? That right where this giant, this descendant of the giants that are in Genesis chapter 6, the Nephilim, the sons of the devil, the last descendant defeated by David and buried on Golgotha in the place of the skull, and one day, who's put on that cross, on that mountain, where that son of Satan is buried and sheds his blood and bruises the serpent's head with his heel on a cross. That's pretty cool, isn't it, how God works? You know, Celebrating Pentecost, that same God that laid on David and rested on David. If you're a believer, you have him in his heart. If you don't, I know there's people here who'd love to talk with you about how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads as we have a hymn of commitment today. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this time to learn your word, to learn about the life of David and how we can connect it to the life of Christ and see your plan of redemption from Genesis through Revelation throughout your word. Lord, help us live like redeemed people this week in the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.